Welcome back to Trading Matters, a podcast by OCBC Securities. In this show, we are focused on hunting down interesting market movements to help you become more opportunistic with your capital. I'm your host, Reggie, aka Yorchi Financial Coconut, and this week we are back to China as we see some signs of the Chinese government potentially relaxing some of its tight crackdowns that we have seen over the few years. With its release of new gaming licenses to companies like Bilibili, but it hasn't released any gaming licenses to the gaming giant Tencent and NetEase. But on the other side, we are also seeing some supply chain struggles in the EV space with new shutting factories or shutting production in China. So you see a lot of mixed bags of what is going on and generally the sentiment in China is still really low. So for all that and more, stay tuned. Welcome back. Okay, we are back again today uh, with CK and uh, a long-standing uh, guest on the show. <laughs> it's like, I, I can never call you a guest. Eh? Not, by now, you're like my partner in this podcast already, you know? Yeah, you're going to hear me a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's just between us, right? I mean, we're having new personalities coming on eventually. And I'm, I'm sure we, we're exploring some of those stuff. But yes, for all of you loving loving CK and loving me, a five-star rating on you know whichever favorite podcast platform you're on. <laughs> Important, I must get us further. And I think today is specific. Specifically, we have a few tickers, you know, and uh, when you told me you want to talk about this ticker, I said, like, oh, this is a very interesting ticker because <laughs> we're going to talk about Bichan, okay? For all of you that don't know, it's a Bili Bili, but in China, they just call it Bichan. And so far, a lot of the latest content creators, because I'm a content creator, right? So, so far, a lot of the Chinese content creators, when they talk about uploading content, they talk about Bichan. Not everybody is on Bichan, right? So, what's so interesting about this company that we want to uh, expand on, Bili Bili? Riding on the whole broader tech crackdown sentiment, uh, this counter, this Bilibili, uh, is listed in the US. It's also listed uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, but we have seen some double-digit swings over the past, even on an intraday uh, basis, over the past week. Mm. Yeah, mm. And most recently, actually, we are looking at a piece of news uh, that actually caught the market's attention. And we have seen how uh, the news that was recently released deals with gaming approvals. So back in, I think, maybe one or two mm. podcasts ago when we were talking about Tencent, we, uh, we mentioned that you know, China has actually gone out to say we won't approve any games uh, and they haven't approved any games since 2021, about July or so. Now, eight months later, finally, the news has come in that you know, the Chinese regulators are approving games once again. The 45 games were actually approved recently over the past week. Uh, interestingly enough, mm. Tencent and NetEase, the two gaming giants in China, none of their games were actually approved. Uh, but this has <laughs> been a shift in sentiment. This has been a statement by uh, the, the Chinese government that actually has, has uh, analysts and market participants watching it. So, I mean, it's highlighted by our mm. own OCBC investment research. It's highlighted by some of the big houses out there. Citigroup highlighted it. Uh, Bloomberg has highlighted it as part of their news and, and, and analysis as well. And it's all talking about how, you know, people are looking for signs of a shift in sentiment in China. We talked about how in the previous uh, one month or so, uh, when there was an epic rally for the Hang Seng Tech Index, people were saying, okay, so the Chinese government has gone out there and said, we don't want to cause too much panic in the, in the stock market. We want to actually be there to support the stock market, ensure stability. Um, and then people were saying, okay, so now that they have gone out there to say it, where are the concrete actions to do it? And so this could be one of mm. the concrete actions, uh, but traders and market participants are looking for more signs of this. 
So a lot of it really has to do with sentiment okay. because sentiment is so fragile in China right now. Things shifted so much mm. over the past year that people are looking for additional signs of, okay, in terms of monetary policy, in terms of regulation, is the Chinese government actually changing direction right now? Yeah. But but the interesting part is that you have all these smaller platforms and people that were probably not even in gaming at first, you know, then they start to get all these licenses, right? They get, they start to have their games being published and approved and the big guys are not, right? So Tencent and NetEase, like we've pointed out, they, they are, they're not getting their games approved, right? So how should we look at this situation? Is it is it the Chinese government saying, oh yeah, we're going to continue to have a stranglehold on the big guys and try to let the smaller people grow to kind of manage the market? Or how well, should actually, we look I mean, analysts are actually preparing for eventual approvals for Tencent and NetEase. So it's not like they went out there and said, okay, we are not going really? to approve at all. They didn't say that. Uh, it's just mm. that this round, they didn't. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're making a statement. I don't know. I can't read the Chinese government's mind. Um, but mm-hmm. I mean... <laughs> we can chill them to come on the podcast. La. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, open chill. You want to come, you let us know. Send us an email. Everyone is guessing really <laughs> what, what kind of uh, approach yes. we'll be doing. But uh, analysts in the market are actually going out there to say it's a matter of time that Tencent and NetEase will have their games approved as well. So, so it's not like uh, people are saying completely we, we are shunning the big guys, we are going to go all for the small guys. Uh, instead, people are looking at it more from a market perspective of Okay, so the gaming industry as a whole and, and subsequent uh, or, or, or as a result of what's happening in the gaming industry, uh, how advertising is being affected, how big tech and their data is being affected and, and how video streaming platforms and, and video sharing platforms like this uh, are being affected as well, yeah, riding like all BDB. on a broader yeah. sentiment of regulation. Yeah. From a fundamentalist viewpoint, it, it would then say that oh, the, but the, the core of the businesses are getting stronger and stronger, right? Like there's more consumption and, you know, ad dollars are looking strong you know, relative to a lot of other places. So then how should we reconcile this? Because the, the long term, or at least the short term, this one year downtrend is very serious and it doesn't look like it's going to go away anytime mm. soon, you know, but the, the long term trajectory of, of China tech you know, as an as a overall sector, looks relatively healthy from a fundamental viewpoint, right? So how would a trader look at this whole situation? Downtrend now, but, you know, looks like fundamentals are quite healthy for the uh, longer How term. I'll look at it is really, um, there has to be more that is being mentioned uh, by the Chinese government. There has to be more that's mm. being done by the Chinese government. Uh, and, yeah, every mm. time there's a piece of news, traders come out and say, okay, so is it, a huge shift in policy for the Chinese government uh, because if it is, then there are strong tailwinds for some of these stocks as well. Uh, otherwise, you know, mm. it could be just a short-term bounce and then after that, in the longer term, there's still more and more regulatory pressure and uh, that, that overhang. So so in that sense, uh, yeah. actually we are seeing that reflected in the stock price as well for Bilibidi. We see double-digit swings intraday like what I mentioned. Uh, one day you have the gaming approvals and it's up 15% on an intraday basis. The next day, people are already taking profit. They are already starting to, 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 to you know, <laughs> keep their gains. And, and, and so as a result of that, mm. uh, or, or perhaps because people are starting to reevaluate what's happening in the market, um, then the stock can be down double digits as well. Yeah, so, so from a trading perspective, mm. really, uh, well, the trend is your friend. That's what people say. That's what traders say as well. And there doesn't seem to be any change in the short-term trends uh, at this point in time. Of course, time will tell whether or not the trend continues or not. 
But as of right now, the one-year trend, like what you mentioned, is still intact. Uh, some of the technical indicators uh, show, for example, the moving average as a, a measure of momentum. Uh, they are still downward. They are still the, the current price is still below the 50, 100, and 200-day moving averages as well. So uh, definitely, I think sentiment has picked up a little bit, and we have seen that in the stock price. But at the same time, people are very, very cautious when it comes to this market as well. So it really depends on what kind of time frame you're looking at. For a short-term trader, maybe that intraday swing is good enough for you. For a long-term fundamentalist, that might not be enough. And I also want to point out that this is not like uh, unique to Billy Billy. It's a broad sector kind of situation. And pretty much the whole of Hang Seng Tech is sim- seeing similar things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the index itself is experiencing that as well. It's been on the same one-year downtrend, has experienced some big swings in, uh, within the, the downtrend as well. Uh, even on the 16th of March itself, right, you're looking at 20-30% intraday. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Same for Bilibili, same for uh, Neo, same for some of the other stocks out there, Alibaba, Tencent. Uh, all of these have experienced mm. double-digit swings either way, still on a downtrend. Uh, but at the same time, trading opportunities everywhere, depending on whether you get the trade right in the first place though, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you just tangent yourself into the next thing we want to talk about <laughs> which is new. new. It's like, now that I will be out of job, you know. <laughs> so, so yes, we, we also wanted to talk a little bit about new, you know, but, but I think from a slightly different situation right, because of the whole supply chain saga which, you know, you hear on mainstream media, we've talked about it on the podcast, you know, this whole supply chain constraint causing some of these companies to struggle, right? And new is one of them, right? So um, CK, bring us through like, for people that don't know why it's new, you know, I don't know which planet they live on, but please help them, help, <laughs> help them understand. And why are they struggling with supply chain issues? Well, I mean, I think uh, the whole idea about supply chain, you know, if we talk about how many, many things that we own and we use right now is actually being made in China. So China has this huge manufacturing base um, and a lot of supply chains are actually, you know, intertwined with China. So whatever's happening in China right now, Uh, really deals with COVID, you know, how they have, as we mentioned before, diverged from the rest of the world. They are not ready or they have said they are not ready to live with COVID yet. They still want to stamp it out, still want to abide by the zero COVID policy. So uh, when it comes to supply chains, it's really about disruptions to manufacturing, disruptions to what's uh, important to companies like NIO, which is uh, an electric vehicle company and how their, their operations have been disrupted as a result of COVID. So most recently, I mean, uh, it's all over the news, but what's happened in China is really lockdowns again. It's something that we have seen happen in 2020. It's something that some of the uh, parts of the world don't want to do anymore because of the economic costs, uh, but China has proceeded to do for the Shanghai area. And so mm-hmm. news factories there have actually you know, been disrupted as a result of that. Uh, because they are not able to operate normally as well. So their factories are affected, their suppliers' factories are affected as well because they need components such as batteries, such as chips, uh, and everything is being intertwined in, in today's economy, right? So so Neo yes. has seen some of that uh, and, and struggled with uh, dealing with that in that sense, yeah. But I'm sure this is not unique to Neo, right? Like it's a broad sectoral situation again, right? Which is the whole manufacturing being extremely intertwined, you know, in, in 
in the modern day of what we understand to be manufacturing. I think a lot of Singaporeans maybe don't understand that because you know we don't really see factories around, right? But but yeah, it's very intertwined. And uh, I just want to say, you know, last week I think I saw Sing E glass in China, uh, in in Malaysia. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we were talking about it. Yeah. So they have some subdivision that's manufacturing the glass here in Malacca, right? So very interesting. Yeah. So so t- tell us, is, is this a unique to Neo or is this a broad sectoral situation where supply chain is still getting disrupted all over? And and how should we look at this? Well, I mean, if we look at it in terms of the sector, so, so I mean, narrowing down from supply chains and from manufacturing as a whole, uh, Neo, like I mentioned, is an EV manufacturer, right? So uh, how the auto industry has been impacted by the supply chain crisis, even last year, uh, even before the entire Russia-Ukraine situation, uh, there has been a lot of disruption, you could say. Not just new, but even traditional manufacturers like Toyota, they've had problems. Uh, the US manufacturers, they had problems as well. Tesla has had problems as well. So for new, which uh, has a, a factory in China and, and in the Shanghai region, which was affected, uh, they're directly affected, of course. Uh, and so the question is really how the companies deal with this disruption. So some of the auto manufacturers out there, they had issues because of semiconductor shortages, right? That's a whole other story, but that is an issue with suppliers. And so they deal with different things like inventory. They deal with how they can maybe manufacture cars with uh, other components or, or deal with that, that manufacturing process themselves. For new, the case here is about batteries because their battery supplier uh, is CATL or CATL. It's the world's biggest lithium uh, battery provider and how they are also being impacted by it. And, and as a result of that, different companies are using different strategies. So, so in the case of CatL, they have actually gone out to say, okay, we're going to employ a closed-loop system where our workers are just going to stay in the, in the premises. And, and so there's no entry or exit and no COVID disruptions as a result of that. So that is one way that companies have been dealing with it. And of course, uh, that is how the different companies deal with it could be one area to, to, to zoom into if you are looking at fundamental analysis especially. Um, but broader than that, we also look at how the impact of things like inflation, uh, and that's where the Russia-Ukraine crisis ties in. That's how semiconductors ties in. The rising input costs have actually been something that electric vehicles have also had to deal with. And so actually, Neo is not the only one, uh, but they are also one of the companies that have started to raise the prices of the, the products that they produce. And uh, we have seen that happen for other EV manufacturers as well. Uh, as a result of inflationary pressures. So, so mm-hmm. Russia-Ukraine crisis, things like neon being disrupted, uh, things like semiconductors being disrupted as a result of that. And so input costs going up, how the different companies deal with inflationary pressures. These are all different aspects of the same company that people need to take a look mm-hmm. at. So in this case for Neo, um, I think they, they have gone out to say, okay, we are being disrupted, but there are some analysts out there also expecting you know, when they are able to catch up in the later months, whether or not they'll be able to, to do enough. And so that's a question that, that people are debating now uh, as they're looking at the stock. Yeah. Would you say that the EV space is still in a very competitive situation where like there are multiple players all vying for the top spot? Or do you think like Tesla has already run so far you know, that, that all these other guys are just like hanging around? Well, I think, I mean, in the, in the US, definitely Tesla is a market leader. Uh, if you just look at the market cap for Tesla as compared to some of the other EV players, and also the production that Tesla has compared to some of the US players, 
Um, but in China itself, there are actually many other players that maybe people are not that familiar with. Uh, so, for example, even those that people might be familiar with because they're listed in the US, you have Lee Otto, you have Neo, you have uh, Xiaopeng, you have uh, all of these other players that come in. And, and listed in Hong Kong, you have BYD, you have Great Wall Moto, you have uh, a lot of other component uh, manufacturers as well, lithium miners as well. So all of these different aspects all are riding off the same EV team. And it's a team that I don't think will go away anytime soon because the governments have gone out to say we want to support it. It's now part of our five-year, 10-year, 15-year plans as well. And, and the Chinese government is not different in that sense. Uh, the question is just who will come up on top. And the question is also how, how much of this is already priced in when it comes to expectations for future earnings. Uh, and, and that's where people will start to do their, their fundamental models to see, okay, you know, so we expect Tesla to, to dominate the market. But is that really worth all the other car manufacturers combined when it comes to market cap? So that's, that's for Tesla. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the Chinese market, then there are a lot of other players which people might not be so familiar with. Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Bye. Hey, thank you for tuning in weekly with us at Trading Matters, a podcast by OCBC Securities. If you want to be even faster in following latest market insights done by the team at OCBC Securities, you should visit iocbc.com slash tradingmatters for market insights on Singapore, China, Hong Kong, and the US, and a lot of the stuff that we couldn't cover on the show today. This show is jointly produced by the team at The Financial Coconut and OCBC Securities. We hope you become a more astute trader following our weekly show. And we want to hear from you. Join our ecosystem, advance, and all that stuff, details in the description below. I will see you next week. Also, contents of this podcast are intended for general information only and should not be construed as recommendation or solicitation to invest in any financial products. All investments are subjected to risk. Before investing, you should conduct your own self-assessment and seek independent financial advice. For the full disclaimer, check out iocbc.com slash trading matters. Also, like, share, subscribe. Like, share, subscribe. See you next week.